So living in the river, living in the Holy Spirit, I talk about this all the time and the Holy Spirit has a specific current. He pulls us or pushes us in a certain way, but it's really like a gentle nudge that we feel at first. And if we submit to that, and we talked about submitting to the Holy Spirit last week, if we submit to the leading of the Spirit, God is going to show us which way he wants us to go. And the Bible tells us all about what pleases God, what truly pleases him. And if we want to please him, we need to know the word. So study your word. That's number one. Study your word if you want to submit to the Spirit, if you want to please God, and if you don't want to extinguish the Holy Spirit. Tonight is, uh, the title tonight is called, Do Not Extinguish the Holy Spirit, or Do Not Grieve the Holy Spirit. Some translations say, uh, Do Not Quench the Holy Spirit as well. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to extinguish the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be compared to water at times in the Bible, sometimes to wind, sometimes to fire. And there are different representations of the Holy Spirit as we go through from the Old Testament right on through the New. But tonight, do not extinguish the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? That means we want to hear the voice of God as God speaks to us on not doing something or not going a certain direction. If we go in that direction, if we don't hear the voice of God, if we're not submitting to his voice, if we're not submitting to what the word says about what we should do, we're going to quench the Holy Spirit. We're going to grieve or extinguish the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I compare it a lot to actually swimming in an actual river, in a real river. And if you have ever, if you have, you've ever swam in a river as you're swimming, and, you know, you have to at some point get out. Well, the Holy Spirit is like a river that you never have to come out of, even though we make mistakes. And I compare it to making a mistake or sinning or or grieving the Holy Spirit. And you're forced to climb up out of the river. You're forced to go up out of the river onto the riverbank and get out and go into a dry place where you're going to be uh, where you're going to be dry. You know, the Bible talks about, Jesus talked about those demons that go out of a person and go into the dry places to later come back and inhabit the same house, the, the same residence. And we don't want to be caught in those dry places. And I believe there's a lot of spiritual symbolism there. As those dry places, uh, we can say that there's no Holy Spirit there. There's no river there. There's no liver, river of living water there. There's no living water. Don't go into the dry places. Don't be found in the dry places. That's where the devils dwell. That's where the demons go. That's where the unclean spirits go. But let's stay in the river of living water. Let's stay in the Holy Spirit, that we may be full with the manifest power of God, that we may be full with the one who is called the comforter and the advocate. We need him. We need the Holy Spirit, and, and I tell you, if I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, if I didn't have, if I didn't have my prayer tongue, if I didn't have my personal prayer tongue, if I didn't have some of these giftings that God has imparted to me, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I don't know what would have come of me. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining those who are, who are now joining and, and listening and watching. We need the Holy Spirit moving and active in our lives every single day, every moment of our lives. Hallelujah. So let's continue to move in that. Let's let's get on with the teaching here. So tonight we're continuing in on our river series. And as I speak about the river 
as I said, I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And you can find that in John chapter 7, verse 38. Again, that's John chapter 7, verse 38. Last week, I talked about submitting to the Holy Spirit and how important it is to follow his leadings. This week, I'm going to be speaking about how to avoid quenching or extinguishing the Holy Spirit. And I just spoke on that as well. The first thing we should keep in mind during this study is no one has the Holy Spirit unless they are born again. So we must be born again. Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. After the rebirth, we as believers receive a new nature, a new nature in Christ, and we experience transformation, true transformation. Without being born again, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You cannot say you're saved. So I want to know that each and every one of you out there is born again. And if, if you want more information on that, if you want to, uh, you know, you want to talk more on that, you want to speak more on that, let me know. And uh, I would love to lead you through what it means to be born again. So through the Holy Spirit's power, power, we receive what I like to call a spiritual download. After receiving this download, we begin to understand some of the things that are pleasing to the Lord. Hallelujah. The blinders come off of our eyes and we begin to see things we never noticed before. I thought it would be beneficial for us to search the scriptures for some of the things that please the Lord and also for some of the things that grieve him. So let's start by turning to Psalm to Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. Hallelujah. Let's turn to the Word of God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you for your Word. Again, that's Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. So he does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. What does this mean? The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. Our strength is from the Lord, and by fearing him, we show wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom, is to fear God. And we're missing the fear of the Lord in our churches, in our meeting places, in the places that we go to meet with God, and in our own homes, we're missing out on the fear of the Lord. And some people, you know, they get this twisted and say, you know what, God would never want me to fear him. He's a loving God, but yes, he has the power to cast us into hell or to save us and bring us into heaven, into his kingdom with him. And we need to remember that he's created us and he has the power to destroy us. Just like as you're growing up with your father, and some of you haven't had fathers, some of you don't know what it's like to have a good father, but a father teaches you discipline. And in that you fear him and you want to, you fear him, but you also revere him. And you want to follow what he has told you. You want to obey what he has spoken to you. 
And there's a fear that comes with that, not a crippling fear, but an empowering fear. That is the fear of the Lord because he doesn't want you paralyzed with fear. That's the kind of fear that the enemy wants you caught up in. The fear of the Lord is an empowering fear that propels you forward into righteousness. So God what doesn't want to destroy us. He wants relationship with us. Jesus has the power to save us. He has the power to restore and redeem. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 18.23 says this, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn from his ways and live? So recently, someone asked me, what do you think will happen to people when they continue to live in sin? So I explained to him that God gives people a season to repent because of his great mercy, his loving kindness, his grace. Hallelujah. But eventually, if the person hasn't turned from their sin, God will bring judgment and wrath upon that person. You know, and we're living in a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. With all the things that are happening, with some of the things that are even being taught to the children, the way they're being groomed, the way they're being corrupted, the way the darkness has crept in and even has begun to twist and pervert what is being taught in the churches. These churches that used to be orthodox, these churches that used to to have sound doctrine, and I don't mean orthodox in the denomination. I'm talking about sound doctrine. I'm talking about spirit-filled churches that have turned away from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about churches that have, have begun to despise prophecy, churches that have begun to quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power. Do not extinguish Him. God is holy, which means he's perfect and pure. The only way we can be accepted by him is as pure and holy. And that can only happen by accepting what Jesus has done at the cross, by accepting his sacrifice where he shed his blood to purify us and cleanse us of sin. So Jesus shed his blood at the cross of Calvary to cleanse us from all sin that we might be reconciled to God the Father. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to the Father except through the Son. Once we are saved, God no longer sees us as sinners. He sees us as sons and daughters of the Most High King. Sons and daughters. We can say with confidence that we are accepted and not rejected. That we're chosen, not overlooked. And we can be sure that in all things, God is working all things out for our good. Now, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I feel that it's very important that we speak on the subject of faith. We speak that we speak on the subject of faith. We have a decision every day to live in faith or to live in fear. Fear quenches the Holy Spirit. Bitterness quenches the Holy Spirit. When we live in sin, that quenches the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say this right now. I just feel led by the Spirit. We need to speak about sin for a minute. Sin is anything, anything that you have done to offend God, to sin against Him. And that could be fornication. That could be a sexual thing. That could be adultery. That could be cursing. That could be blasphemy. That could be anything. It could be stealing. Anything that you have done that is against what God has commanded in His Word, what God has spoken as sin, or God has set forth as sin, 
and you've broken the law of God, that will be that will come between you and him and quench the spirit if you haven't repented of it. If you haven't repented of it, if you haven't confessed it, if you haven't laid it at his feet and asked God for forgiveness. So first and foremost, you need to get rid of the sin in your life. You need to repent of your sin. You need to confess your sin. If you have bitterness against someone, if you haven't forgiven someone else, you need to forgive that person. Jesus cannot forgive you unless you have forgiven your brother or sister. And this is something that's left out a lot of times when we're preaching on repentance. And a lot of times I don't even hear the word repent in the churches. We need to repent. We need to tell others to repent. The kingdom is at hand. Hallelujah. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and turn from your sins. So back to Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Here we learn that to please God we must first have faith in the fact that he exists. We also learn that God is pleased when we diligently seek him. I've learned that you can never have enough of God. What I mean by that is that once you experience him, you'll always desire more. Once you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, once you have an encounter with Jesus, you're going to desire more and more. You're going to desire to go deeper and deeper into the river. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. You are so good. So this is the reason I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me each day, to give me a fresh word, that I would know him in greater ways. These words, these whispers that lead me into God's divine will for my life, they're breathtaking. They blindside me sometimes. You know, as I'm just going and walking out my life, sometimes I just hear these these whispers. Sometimes I just hear these things or have these impressions that speak to me, that lead me in the direction that I should go. And we need to understand that we need to keep our spiritual senses tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is doing. We need to keep our spiritual ears open to what the Spirit is speaking in each and every moment. So these whispers, these words, they help me in discerning what is of the Lord and what isn't. They remind me of Jesus' words. They offer insight and revelation, and they confirm what is true. A Christian who doesn't pursue the Lord becomes stagnant and complacent in their walk. By not seeking Jesus, you quench the Spirit. That's another thing. I hope you're taking notes on what quenches the Holy Spirit. By not seeking Him, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. God leads us in a walk. Jesus leads us in a walk that is continually progressing and getting closer to him, seeking him in faith. The walk that we walk with Jesus is like walking up a mountain. Either you're walking up the side of the mountain or you're sliding down it. There's no in-between. There's no standing still. We must continue to pursue God. We must continue to walk with him and go where he is leading us.